Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts, here on Wednesday evening. Gentlemen, we have reached June. This is the promised land. Can you, do you feel it? Do you feel like you have stopped wandering through the desert? That you have found the oasis that you have sought? Been yes. through with a horse with no name. That's what it feels like. <laughs> uh, rocks and sticks and birds and things. And things, yes. That's one of my favorite lyrics that anybody ever came up with. I've just been eating sand waiting until prospects came back to campus. And here we are. No longer eating sand, visits happening, camps, coaches out. It's chaos. Yeah, I, I got to think a, sam, a sand sandwich would not, you know, <laughs> taste particularly good. That grittiness on your teeth, the gross. Put enough mayo on it. That's fine. <laughs> uh, terrible. All right. Well, we're back into the full swing of things. Nebraska has had some recruits on campus since – Things opened up on June 1. They're going to have a whole host of them for official visits on June 8th. We'll run through that list here shortly. Before we get there, though, let's start with this. Nebraska, like any team in the country now, has the ability to host players or have them visit unofficially and then have them work out as well. And we saw that play out on June 1 as Jake Applegate, a Lincoln Southeast athlete, was the first to come to Nebraska's campus, do a private workout, and leave with the coveted offer. Just a real easy, uh, easy day for Jake Applegate, who had to, uh, you know, go down onto the field, work out with, uh, I think, a handful of coaches just watching him, and you know, no pressure, just go make it happen. And he was able to do it. BC, I believe you caught up with him. What, uh, what did Jake have to say about it? Yeah, um, I mean, he went into it. Obviously, you don't just go saying, oh, I expect I'm going to get an offer. But I think he knew that uh, there was the opportunity there. And what was impressive about what he did is he ran a 4.6 flat 40, which is really good for his size. And he had rolled his ankle playing basketball and had only been healthy for like a month. And uh, the fact that he was able to, you know, in a relatively short amount of time, get himself ready to test that well was impressive. And I guess the thing that sticks out is I, I, I think we thought of him kind of as a linebacker prospect, and he still might be that. Um, he might be an outside linebacker prospect, but they are also had him running routes and catching balls, and he could be a tight end. And so that, that opening seems wider than I thought, I guess, the offensive part. Well, we do know this. The state of Nebraska loves to produce tight ends. And, uh, you know, there's been quite a few here in the last couple of years. They took two from in the state last year with James Carney and with A.J. Rollins. Of course, you have Caden Helms and Michael Riley Ducker uh, from Bellevue West, a couple more tight ends. And then now potentially Jake Applegate. And so we will we'll see how that one plays out. I think Nebraska is in a pretty good spot. BC, do you think that it was a strategic move for Nebraska to, to have him be the first guy to do the workout and to, to try to get him in, you know, right away, as opposed to, you know, having him come in a little bit later in the month and he's done some of these workouts, he might be a little burned out on it. Uh, to me, it seems smart to, to try to get a guy in early like that. Yeah. And if you look at his schedule, like he was, a, it, it's Wednesday when we're, uh, recording this and he was in Minnesota Wednesday like by Tuesday night he was already putting his head down in Minneapolis to go to a camp there 
And so you beat Minnesota, one of your rivals, to the punch. Um, I think Kansas State maybe was a school he was going to – he's going to camp at still. And uh, maybe even Northwestern, he said. So he, he's got some options. He's doing what I would do if I were any recruit in this year and get the most out of this June. You know, like I don't think there's a reason why a guy has to do – you know, I got my offer. I'm going to raise my hand the next day you've been waiting through all of this nonsense for a year and now you finally get a chance to go for four or five camps and actually get in front of coaches, make the most of it. If nothing else, it kind of tests you as an athlete, I think mentally and physically. So um, I expect he's going to end up at Nebraska. I'd be shocked if he doesn't, but uh, they'll have to wait it out for at least a month. It looks like. You know, we, in card trips, we would sometimes just play the game of where you take your five official visits Maybe we can change it up to where would you take five private workouts in the month of June, you know, <laughs> so, uh, where, where does, where would BC go right now to go work out and try to earn a scholarship? Oh man. 24 hour uh, fitness, like every day. Uh, I, I thought it was snap. My key doesn't work there anymore. I, I don't even think they sent Never mind. But I, I, I can't. <laughs> no free ads. I didn't think. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to because I don't think they gave me a renewal opportunity and I just went over there and it's like I can't get in. Maybe it was because they're like this, the, the, this guy's stacking too much weight on the bar. It's starting to bend too much or something like that. So Do you think you're intimidating other people working out? Well, that's why I usually go at 1 a.m. Um, guy, the guy comes in in the morning shift and he just notices the weights everywhere because BC was there at three in the morning. Just, yeah. just hand cleaning. And the ropes, you know how some guys get the ropes where people can't see me do the motion, but where they work. Please don't do that motion. (laughs) (laughs) This is a family-friendly podcast. Come on. That was was fine what I did. (laughs) All right, let's let's just get away from this entirely. Uh, Are you you composed now? And I did it. Yeah, so, I mean, we can get into this a little bit. I'm curious to, to... kind of get your guys thoughts on how you think Nebraska is going to handle the individual workouts because, you know, in the past we've seen, you know, Nebraska staffs kind of essentially have kind of private workouts. I mean, you get guys separated off to the side. I mean, you had, you know, Nick Stoltenberg and, and Harrison Phillips, you know, famously running routes as tight ends and, snapping balls as centers and all that other stuff while camp was going on. But it, it, it seems to me like this is a change born out of the the pandemic that I think is actually a good thing in some ways, because it allows guys that are, you know, borderline offerable guys to go in, be efficiently worked out and, and give coaches a little bit more hands-on time to make good evaluations. I don't, I guess I don't see a negative to continuing this beyond the 2022 class. Like, I, I just think it's a, a right thing to do. I am, uh, I'm all in favor of it. I mean, I think that it, it allows people to get the most bang for their buck. I mean, if they're already visiting unofficially and they want to throw on, uh, you know, some gloves and some shorts and go out there and run some routes to try to prove that they deserve to either get an offer or move up a team's board. I don't see who that hurts. I mean, I, I think it makes sense. I actually think it helps schools in some regards. Like you can kind of, um, 
you don't have to have coaches on the road as much in the, in April and May, you can keep a little burnout down from there. I mean, you can kind of uh, save a little money if that was what you were inclined to do. If you're one of the smaller schools and you didn't feel like you could compete as much in terms of the evaluation period. So it's still going to be important for, for coaches to get out and make those evaluations. You know, they're still going to want to do that in April and May, but I, I think this is an added bonus to, allow guys come in and, and do this kind of private workout and go and, and try to earn the offer and, and do it where, you know, you, you've arranged it. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's not like BC could just show up in Alabama and Nick Saban's going to let them work out. Like this is an arranged thing. Like these schools aren't going to just have any kid work out and waste anyone's time. It's going to be someone who at least meets a certain level of criteria. So I, I think that it's a, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, we'll see at the end of the month, uh, what the burnout level for some of these kids are, because some people have very aggressive workout schedules right now. And if you're a school and there's somebody you really want, you really want to not be situated at the tail end of five workouts across seven days, because who knows what you're going to get from the kid, uh, in terms of that. So, uh, I am kind of serious to see how this all plays out. I set a number on my radio show at Nebraska making three and a half offers to kids doing private workouts this month. First blush, too high, too low. You can't push, so don't even try it. I say, who's the half offer? Is that like a walk-on offer? It's just a, uh, a hook to forced action here as we love gambling on this podcast. Three and a half. Yeah. Are we- so there's already a one, so you really only need three more. I would I would tend to go over. Okay. Ever so slightly. Is there anybody in that you have in mind? Well, Is there I any mean, player I, you have in mind? I, I'm intrigued by uh, Henry Rickles at, at Bell West. He was at Nebraska um, on the first as well, just kind of hanging out. He's going to be back to work out. I, you know, he feels like a guy to me that, that would kind of fit that bill. Um the the name escapes me, but the kid from North Dakota, um, that was Carson Hegerly, that's the one. Um, I'm intrigued by him. And then uh, is it Vince Genitone? Is that how you say it? I think so. Uh, I also heard G tone, so I don't actually know. All right, so I, apologies to Vince, but um, he's going to be coming in out from North Platte, coming in for a workout. I think he's a guy that probably earns one. Um, based on what he's shown in wrestling and track and everything else. I mean, I guess with him, it's just a matter, a matter of where you see him eventually playing in college. Linebacker or tight end like everybody else. Yeah, that's that's your your options. But he, he's a guy that's just kind of like a freak athlete that I think you can get in your program and have some success with. His dad played at Washington State. But I, th- those are the guys that kind of stand out. I mean, maybe you see a – I don't know. Maybe you get like a Trey Mosley situation and the kid shows up fresh off a car, a 12 hour car ride and has a four, four. I mean, maybe that happens. Yeah. Um, I don't know why Trey Mosley was running that day, given that it wasn't a camp, but. I don't, I don't, I don't answer the questions. <laughs> I just, I just note things. Yeah, and he ran no, fast. I, I don't know. It's, it's unusual why they were timing him, but it worked out. It worked out. Uh, BC, you have any – do you think over, under, you have any thoughts here? 
Uh, you said a good number. I was going to do, I, aren't you on radio and these type of things supposed to take the opposite of each other for good, like back and forth? And then tell me why I'm wrong. This isn't, a, uh, this isn't a PTI type show. Bunch is dead <laughs> wrong here. They're only going to offer three guys based on workouts. I think Bruns went through the main cast of characters that are intriguing to me. I think Rickles is going to get one. I just, it feels like it's been, it feels like Rickles and uh, Applegate were, were sort of trending toward this where you were just kind of waiting for that to happen. I don't think anybody of us were surprised that Jake Applegate got yeah. one. I mean, after watching him play last year, he was one honest, of the- I was surprised he didn't merit it just from his film alone, but they yeah. Maybe they wanted the full effect of doing it in person. I don't know. Yeah, and so I think uh, I think Rickles could get one, um, and then I would. I guess I would go over barely. I, I'd say four, maybe. Um, maybe the other two Bruns mentioned at least one of them, and then there's always feels like there's like some surprise, like maybe a Friday night light camp. There's somebody, and it's just like, oh, this guy got an offer, and it's sort of the story of the night. You know that I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. Um, those are open to the public, by the way, which is cool. Um, so folks can go see diff- four different camps this month. Um, but yeah, I, I, lo- I like this setup because I, I do think there's some more emphasis than usual on local guys who would maybe be seen as fringe type, you know, recruits in certain years where sometimes we're having the conversation about these guys more in like December right before early signing day like are they going to get that offer the last week or are they going to end up at Wyoming you know right and it feels like because of the situation and the need to bulk up class numbers some of that has been sped up and I kind of like that for the kids sake too it's good for them yeah no I I agree with all of that all right let's run through quickly here the uh the eight official visitors Nebraska is going to have this weekend Start off with two defensive linemen, Nico Davalier, Jalen Marshall. Davalier from Arkansas, Jalen Marshall from St. Thomas Aquinas in nearby Overland Park. Jalen Marshall's been up to Nebraska a couple times already. He was here for the red-white game on May 1. He's certainly someone to, to keep an eye on, though he's also got visits set up to Indiana and Oklahoma State. It's an Oklahoma State legacy. But Alan True's kind of talked about it. He feels like if he was leaning any direction, it'd be Nebraska at this point. Really likes the staff. I think he really likes Tony Tuioti. I think he likes that it's relatively close to home. And I, he, had a, he had a really good time on his, uh, his red-white visit. So, Jalen Marshall of those two defensive linemen, keep an eye on him. Nico Davalier, I think Nebraska really likes him a lot. I think they see him as a defensive tackle at six foot four, 275 pounds, or a nose tackle, if you will. Uh, but I think it's going to be tough to pull him out of Arkansas. But this is a big visit weekend. I know he is... Uh, very excited to come out here. A couple offensive linemen as well. So we'll just jump to the other side of the trenches. Ashton Craig, a six foot five, 260 pound offensive lineman out of Lawrenceburg, Indiana. I don't know much about him. He's probably the player I know the least about at this point. Uh, so I'm hoping to learn a little bit more. But clearly, if Nebraska wants to come in for an official visit, he's high enough on their board. It's been a little bit slow for Greg Austin in offensive line recruiting. At this point, the last couple cycles, he's already had his big fish in the boat and was uh, either done recruiting here in June or was just finishing up. And so it's a little bit unusual uh, for Nebraska offensive line recruiting to be where they're at right now. Valen Erickson is the other offensive lineman that will be coming in. He's out of Chicago. He was out here for the red-white game. Steve Wolfong, I believe, feels Nebraska has a pretty good shot here. 
thinks that Nebraska views Erickson as a high priority target on the offensive line, 6'6", 280, could be inside, could be an exterior or an offensive tackle. Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, keep an eye on that as well. And then kind of the story of this visit weekend is you've got three guys at skill positions on offense that might be the number one person at that respective position. We'll start with quarterback Richard Torres from Southside High School in San Antonio, 6'6", 210 pounds. Uh, you know, we've, we've kind of danced around this a few different times. It feels like he's the number one guy on Nebraska's board. I think if you gave truth serum to Mario Verduzco right now, he would tell you that they would love to get a commitment out of this weekend, finish things up, get their quarterback in Torres. I think they like him a lot. I think there is some similarity with he and Heinrich Harburg in terms of how toolsy they are and just the total size of these two different quarterbacks, more of a thrower than a runner. Um, shades of, uh, you know, a little Steven Montez there, if you're looking for sort of an off the wall comparison. Uh, but Richard Torres quarterback coming in this weekend, Landon Sampson, another Texan player uh, from South Lake Carroll, same high school as Drew Brown. He's really intriguing, and I'll let – I believe Brunts has caught up with him a couple times. I'll let Brunts talk about him here in a little bit. But Landon Sampson might be the number one wide receiver Nebraska wants uh, to pair with Victor Jones Jr., who's been very good so far this spring. And, and you know, Nebraska got that commitment on April Fool's Day, actually. Uh, but that was not a joke. So Victor Jones Jr., their one wide receiver. They'd like to add a second one in this class, and I think Landon Sampson is their preferred choice. He's in this first weekend. Then Justin Williams at running back out of Dallas, Georgia. Uh, he's their top running back target. I don't know if I could name a second one. We were talking about the private workouts. LJ Richardson from Bellevue West could be someone to keep an eye on as well. But they want Justin Williams. If they could leave with a commitment there, that would be huge for Nebraska. And then the eighth visitor is another tight end, Chase Androff from Lakeville South and Lakeville, Minnesota. Lakeville, the same place as Bryce Benhart, though I think he went to Lakeville North. Androff, it's interesting. I was talking with people in our network at 24-7 Sports. Some other Big Ten teams see him growing into being an offensive lineman. He's already six foot six, 230 pounds. So we'll see how that one plays out. Uh, Brunts, who in that group first kind of hit on Landon Sampson, because I know you've talked to him a little bit, but who in that group sort of stands out for you? Yeah, I mean, Sampson's a big one. Um, I think he's a guy that's really maybe not rated to where um, – he, he should be based on production. I mean, he uh, extremely productive last year, 74 catches, 1,281 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's a track guy who wasn't really able to run much this spring. He had an injury that, that kept him off the track for the most part. But uh, in Nebraska, really recruiting him hard. He talks to somebody on the staff every single day. He was up for the spring game. Uh, when I talked to him after the, the spring game, it was pretty much, you know, I've got this Nebraska visit set up. There was Colorado was kind of hanging around, but he was going to have to reschedule because of a school camp. He's making an unofficial visit to Ohio State um, on, on June 11th. His, his uh, high school teammates committed there as a quarterback. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you, you may let that play out a little bit, but I think Nebraska's in a really, really good spot there. I don't think that there's a ton of room in this class to take, you know, three, four wide receivers or anything like that. And I think Landon Sampson would be uh, an extremely productive guy that you could play in the slot or on the outside. So 
Uh, I think he's one to watch, especially as you get later into June. Um, you know, I know you wanted to ha- kind of have things wrapped up by the start of his senior season. So uh, that, that's kind of where things stand for him. Um, and, then, and then, you know, I think just the, the intrigue about Nebraska's quarterback spot um, and kind of where things stand after this weekend will be something to watch. Obviously, Torres, uh, the first guy in to officially visit. He's got that visit to K-State later this month. We'll see what happens. But, um, you know, Nebraska's going to have to leave this summer with a quarterback. And depending on what happens this weekend, they have to. But I think depending on what happens this weekend, I think that'll kind of set the the next couple steps um, at that spot, especially with AJ Bianco uh, going to visit in uh, is it June eighteenth, I believe, is this weekend he's coming up. Yeah, that's so, what reported. Yeah, yeah. So uh, those are the two guys I'm, I'm most intrigued by. But I, I think Nebraska is in a good spot for Landon Sampson. BC, anybody that jumps out to you that we ran through? <clears throat> Oh, I, I mean, the QB spot, uh, I think is huge, a huge piece to get taken care of in June, actually, because it's, it feels like it, it's going to happen quick and maybe even this week. I don't know. Um, I put a crystal ball in for Torres. Um, I think, like you, you've already stated it, I think Nebraska sees a lot to like there. Um, and from what I've heard, I think uh, the feeling's pretty mutual. I think Torres is coming up here with uh, pretty strong vibes about Mario Verduzco and uh, that staff and, and wh- how he could fit here. So now that, that's why I wonder if they can cement this thing. Yeah, his, his situation's trickier in a way than some other guys are visiting because you know how it is with QBs. There's sometimes there's only one spot at a place and you, you are aware of like, Oh, okay. This guy's coming two weeks later, like Bianco who is also well thought of, I think by Nebraska. And uh, that that's different than a guy like Jake Applegate, for example, who he can take through June and there's going to be a spot for him at, on July 5th, if he wants it or whatever. So uh that's where that QB spot's interesting to me because guys, uh, they have to have a quick blinker, I guess, uh, as they say, uh, in, dis- in committing to net right now. Otherwise, you might not get your first choice. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's definitely true. I think that's definitely true. Well, we'll see what comes out of the weekend for Nebraska with recruiting. And they're going to have a bunch of uh, those workouts as well on Friday and we're going to have coverage of all of that Friday night lights as well. Uh, so, you know, it's a good time. We've got a great deal running on the site right now. You can get 60% off an annual subscription or you can get your first month uh, for a dollar. Is that right, Brunts? $1. So people can, they can afford it. They can give up coffee for a day and they can have a month of Husker 24 uh, seven. Or if they want to go all in that annual at 60% off is about as good of a deal as you can get. And that would take you all the way through June of next year. We are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to shift gears. Nebraska baseball set to play on Friday in a regional for the first time since 2019. They are headed to Arkansas to take on Dave Van Horn and the Razorbacks. We will talk to Michael Brunts about what Nebraska's chances are, how they ended up in that regional, all that more here on the Husker 24-7 podcast.
All right, we are back. The last time Nebraska played in a regional, it was 2019. Matt Waldron was on the bump on a Saturday night. The calendar was still May, but then when the clock struck midnight and went to June, Matt Waldron gave up a, uh, as I believe Michael Brunt's termed, piss rocket that changed everything. And Nebraska ended up losing to Connecticut the next day, and the Huskers were bounced. Did I have that chain of events basically right? Uh, Colby Gomez was your, uh, your yeah, guy. That's right. that's right. Waldron was a starter. He pitched very well into the eighth. I think. Yes. And, uh, Gomez threw, I believe 22 straight fastballs or something like that. Like that was the, I, I think it was around 20 and, uh, the last one he didn't miss. They didn't miss. Did not miss. Actually hit it through one of the light up letters at, uh, the ballpark there in Oklahoma city. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're a couple, you know, pitches away from being in complete control of a regional. And, uh, you know, the next day you, you get beat by a decent Connecticut team because you can't pick up the pieces. That's, that's basically regional baseball in a uh, nutshell there. Well, they get another shot at it this time. They will take on the number one team in the country. Well, potentially could take on the number one team in the country. To get there, though, they have to get by Northeastern who should not be overlooked. And Nebraska will be throwing Cade Povich, their Friday starter, in that opening game. Were you surprised, Brunts, that they didn't try to to save Povich for either an elimination game or potentially a date with Arkansas? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think – I mean, there's ways that you approach a regional, right? Like, you can – I think you can kind of outsmart yourself a little bit sometimes with how you set up pitching. And – I think for Nebraska, I mean, what you want is you want you want your guy in the mound that can go out, who can give you six, seven innings, set up your pitching for the weekend, and get you to that that Saturday night game. I mean, that's that's what you want from Cade Povich. And and you know, who knows if they end up playing on Monday in a do or die game? I mean, maybe you're able to bring Cade Povich back for you know three innings or four innings or something like that on super short rest. I mean, that's that's kind of the way things go now. So best case scenario, you beat Northeastern. Cade Povich has a great game. You don't have to use much of your bullpen and you kind of go into that, that Saturday game where I, I mean, my opinion is you start chance Roach, uh, you, you throw a sinker baller. You hope that the, the balls are sinking and you, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, the, the ball's sinking and you're able to, uh, get through that with, with the win. I mean, Chance Roach has pitched in big games. He's pitched in SEC ballparks, Big 12 ballparks. He knows kind of what comes with just the roaring inferno of hog fans that Nebraska would encounter on Saturday if, if they get past Northeastern. So, you know, beyond that, you, you throw your first two and then you kind of reassess with where things are at. So I don't uh, – I, I know there's a lot of – I don't even know what that would be. Would that be like Monday, Sunday morning quarterbacking about pitching coaching, about uh, how you align things. But I think you go with the order you've had all year with the guys that have gotten you to where you are. Am I, am I wrong? I don't know. I mean, I I think it just sort of depends on who you're going to play and how you want to set things up. I mean, using Nebraska's last regional as an example, 
they saved Matt Waldron for that Oklahoma State game, and it gave him the chance to potentially uh, be in the driver's seat of the regional. And so I think it just sort of depends on your personnel. But in this situation, with as good as Cade Povich pitched on Friday, and he was phenomenal. I mean, like from the very first inning on, he looked like someone who absolutely was in his element and ready to throw. And when he did have a few guys on base, he was able to work around that trouble. I, you know, that's not a bad, it's not a bad idea to just let him go take on Northeastern and uh, try to carry that load, I guess, and, and, and put Nebraska in the winner's column. I mean, so I, I think it just kind of depends on how you feel about what you have. I mean, Arkansas is really good, but they lose games too. And so it, there's no guaranteed way that's going to get you to, to what the, the Monday game unscathed, if you will. So um, you, you got to just go with how you do it. And this is what Bolt wants to do. I mean, I, I think either option would have been fine, to be honest, saving Povich for a potential either elimination game or the second game or, as you're doing it now. And I, you do get the added bonus of if he's someone that could come back on Monday and give you a couple innings, that could be nice. Let's, let's also not forget that in that game where Nebraska went with Nate Fisher uh, in the opener instead of Waldron, they gave up 19 hits um, and somehow still won eight to five. So that, that was one of the, the weirder games that I can remember. Um, Didn't Nebraska jump out to a big lead and then just kind of slowly Connecticut was carving back in it? Uh, UConn actually was up four to one early. Um, and then Nebraska scored four in the third. And, uh, then it was just kind of a a wrestling match at that point. Hmm. Lots of grappling and not much action. So a heavyweight match. Yeah. Just lots of man hugging. So here's a question though. Um, descriptive. Yeah, I, no, no gestures for that one. So you guys, I mean, BC, you were there on Monday when they learned their fate. What, what was the, the temperature of the team at that point when uh, they found that they were headed to Fayetteville? And also how mad should Nebraska fans be that they're headed there? It was like a polite 18th green clap when the guy who like beats Phil Mickelson, not Kepka, but somebody who's like nobody even heard of. Give me like a guy who's like, ranked 68th in the world in golf give me give me a name it's that guy while you're thinking of that name when he wins a tournament and you're like wikipeding him that won it and you're there so you gotta politely applaud you mean like a max homa yeah exactly okay you could have said about anybody and i would have said exactly but that one fits lucas glover yes lucas glover just won you're at the tournament you're there. You're like, well, I'm right in. He's right there in front of me, and the cameras are on. I better clap for him. So that's what that's what they did. But I like that. You know, they didn't have time to rehearse what they're going to say or anything because they came over five minutes later, and uh, basically said, "Whatever, we're uh, we we're going to play ball, and that's it's Arkansas." That you know, it, it, they didn't make a big deal about it, and. I think Will Bolt briefly alluded to the fact that, yeah, with the, if the Big Ten had played non-conference games, you know, maybe this changes the seating. But who knows? I, you don't know with NCAA baseball sometimes if they just put the top 16 together and then it feels like sometimes things get thrown into a blender and here you are. I, I sometimes feel like that how, is how that bracket goes. 
Um, so um, I, you just got to make sure that you get a chance. Like, I like that they're pitching Povich first because I want to see Nebraska. Uh, I think they've got the pitching depth to actually like pitch second and third guys who can be competitive against really good competition and give you a chance to win. I think it sends a good message to your team that you're not going to like, we're not going to audible here and switch everything up. We're going to go with the, what's been working for us in that formula and just proceed as, as we have been. But I want to see them get a full shot at Arkansas with like their pitching arms in tow. Like it'd be great if Povich can go like eight innings or whatever, and you can go into Arkansas and you would have everybody at your, you know, at your call. Uh, to pitch against Arkansas and see what happens. Grunts, what's the most innings that they would allow Spencer Schwellenbach to throw in any one game? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh, that's kind of the wild card in all this. Yeah, that's because... like the million dollar question, right? Like if Nebraska's up, say six to four, and it's the seventh inning, would you let Schwellenbach throw three innings on a on a Saturday against Arkansas? Yeah, yeah, you would. If you if you've got a lead in the seventh against Arkansas, I think you'll see Schwellenbach out there. Um, you know, the, the thing that he, the, the thing that he makes so tough is like, he's so efficient that like he'll get a save, a, a one inning save with like nine or 10 pitches. Like, so, I mean, if, if for sure, if they've got a lead and they're getting into trouble against Arkansas, I think you're going to see him out there and they're going to ride him as far as they can go because this time of year, you want your best guy out there. You want to win or lose with that guy on the field or on the mound or at the plate. And that's Spencer Schwellenbach for Nebraska. So you guys are big baseball guys. You've seen teams utilize relievers differently in the last decade, particularly at the professional level. If it was a scenario in which Nebraska has this lead and it's the sixth inning or the fifth inning, like, do you think you could see him that early in a game just to protect something, even if it means he can't go the distance? I, I don't think you'd see him in the fifth. I mean, like you're up five to one and the bases are loaded and you need to get out of it. The problem is, is then you at that point you you'd basically you'd get him for that one game and that would be it. Like you might not get them for more than one game. Right. I mean, that that's what they're going to have to balance. And that's where honestly having a guy like Kyle Perry back and able to give you a few innings that helps, helps you a lot because he's a potential, you know, emergency starter. He can give you, you know, two, three innings of relief. Um, you know, that, that Brian's right. I mean, they, they've got enough pitching where if things kind of break their way, I think they can be pretty darn competitive. But, um, you know, the, these types of tournaments are – they're pitching dominated, and you kind of need to do everything you can to get to 2-0 and um, after, Saturday, after Saturday because if you're not, it's really, really tough to win for regional. Yeah, I like the point Schaefer's getting at, though, because you do – they're – it feels like more than ever baseball has even in the majors, you see this where you'll see your team bring in a guy in a critical moment. Now, like in the sixth or seventh inning, you know, sometimes we, it used to be like this old school thinking like that guy didn't come in till the eighth or ninth for sure. Mm -hmm. And if there is a moment 
uh, like you sense maybe not the fifth, but like the sixth inning of this game where you're up a couple runs and they got two guys on that, that might be tough to resist not going to them and saying, this is our opportunity right now to take a grip on this region. You know, if, if we, cause you know, the, the, you got to look at it this way. If you lose that, if you win the first game, but you lose that second game to Arkansas and you had a chance, it, you're going to be kind of punching yourself because you know how hard it's going to be then to climb all the way back. It, it, there, I mean, as you said, you got to get so often if you don't get to two and oh, right. Unless you're Arkansas, that kind of team, you know, that type of like top five team that has the guns like that, where you can maybe rally from something like that. Very rarely do you see that occur in a region where like the second or third seed rallies after losing one of the first two games. They have to win. They have to go two and oh. Do you, uh, Bruns, do you know off the top of your head the last time Nebraska won two games in a regional? Are we talking single aughts? They lost. Uh, well, they won one in Stillwater. They lost, and they got eliminated on Sunday. They I feel like they've they've won one in most of their regional appearances. I honestly feel like the last time they would have won two in a regional might have been when they went to the CWS in 05. Yeah, I'm trying to think if it's. I don't think it would happen since then. Um, Because I think they went one and two, I think, in 2008. The last they time they went, won, the last time they won two was in 2007. They went two and two in, uh, okay. in the, was that in Tempe? No. Well, they, they hosted sometime around then. That was in 08 when they, they lost to Irvine, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was that would have been the last time because they've they've they're one and one and six in their last three appearances. So, um, yeah, they went zero and two and oh six. They went two and two in two thousand seven, and then let's see if I can name all the teams they've lost to in that time period. So Oklahoma State, UConn, uh, Western Carolina. Who did they lose to before Western Carolina? Was it Yale? Well, and then they were out in um, in Oregon, the Oregon State Regional, where I think they lost to Yale and then like Holy Cross or something. Yeah, I'm going through the schedule. That's right. So there were some rough regional beats there for a while. Yeah, that 17 one was particular. The worst part about the 17 regional was they won the Big Ten turn or won the Big Ten title and well, uh two in the Big Ten tournament. Uh one and two or they one beat, two. beat Purdue and then they uh had to fly across country with Yale and uh lost five to one and then seven to four. I mean that that that's the thing that's interesting about the conversation about who has the easiest regional. I mean think back to you know Manhattan and San Francisco coming into Lincoln and, and what was a pretty good uh, regional setup for the Huskers, and they they went zero and two. And the guy that Northwestern Northeastern is throwing, uh, Sebastian Keen, this is probably the most we're going to talk Northeastern baseball on this podcast. But 
uh, he was an 11th round pick of the Boston Red Sox out of high school and opted to, uh, to go to Northeastern instead. And he's their normal Saturday guy. So he's six and one with a three, nine, three ERA. So Nebraska should definitely be dialed in a bit for Friday and not just assuming they're going to be getting the hogs on Saturday. Who's their most important offensive player? Is it Jackson Hallmark? Because I feel like he's been really hot for the last month. He helps. And he, uh, he has way more power than I remember. He, he was a home run hitter before they uh, they turned him into a contact hitter. That's what he'll, what, what he'll tell you. I think, to me, it's probably – I don't know. Joe Acker is important. I mean, I think the guy at the top of your lineup, he always seems to kind of have a knack for big hits too. I, I – I don't think there's just one guy. I mean, I think they need to probably go one through nine on uh, against Arkansas if they're going to have any chance. But I, I think getting the, the top of the lineup going to me is the biggest thing because the if you guys remember in 19, Polinski hits that home run, and it's a totally different game early on um, mm-hmm. with that crowd. So if you can get an early lead against Arkansas on the road, maybe you have a chance. I want to ask you this, Bruns, because you followed as closely as anybody all season. There was a lot of – I would say there was a lot of whining around here on Monday when the bracket came out, not from the team, but just sort of on Husker social media. What I mean, what's your reaction just about the Arkansas draw and uh, sort of, I guess, the reaction to it um, that Nebraska got screwed more or less? Yeah, I mean, I, they're they're better than what they were seeded. I think. I mean, I they played well enough this year to not have to go to Fayetteville, in my opinion. I think. Uh, I mean, it, it feels like what you said earlier about how they kind of go one through sixteen, and then it's it's kind of a mishmash from there. I think is true. I mean, their geography plays a role in it, and that was the closest regional that Nebraska could be in. Um, you know, from seeing what the selection committee kind of said about why Nebraska went there. I mean, they kind of shrugged their shoulders. I mean, that that's just kind of where they went. I don't think there was some nefarious, you know, act on the part of the NCAA or the Big Ten to – You don't think Kevin Warren called and sent them to Arkansas? Yeah. I, I, I don't think that Kevin Warren was even aware that there was an NCAA tournament selection going on last <laughs> weekend. I mean, honestly, like – the to to think that the Big Ten in some way tried to screw over Nebraska in this, and I've heard that I think probably tongue in cheek a little bit, but I this is a conference that like struggles to to be organized with baseball, um, and and you know to the detriment of the league. The reason that Nebraska is playing in Arkansas in large part is because the conference opted to not play non conference games. I mean, if you play six non-conference games to play three against Creighton K-State who was a borderline uh NCAA type tournament team I mean that's you're, you're probably in the conversation to host not going to Fayetteville so we knew that was you know a potential thing to happen and I, I think Nebraska was definitely hurt by the fact that they were not able to play non-conference games All right, uh, Brunt, give me a prediction on how many wins Nebraska has over the weekend for baseball. Uh, I think they'll get to Sunday night, so I think they'll win two. 
I think they'll win Friday, and I think they'll win the elimination game on Sunday morning. All right. Um, BC, give me a prediction of the first player to hit a home run for Nebraska this weekend. Uh, Max Anderson. Okay. Those are your – those are your predictions. Take them to whatever local sports bookie will accept college. How, how many? Here's one for you, Schaefer. How many innings does Cade Povich throw on Friday? And how many strikeouts Seven innings, does he have? Four hits, two runs, six strikeouts. Only six. Uh, he's not that big of a strikeout pitcher. Right? Like, he averages about one an inning generally. Feel like the Northeastern Huskies are going to be able to put the ball in play? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I also think like oh. one of the things about Kate, not to, to just continue this never ending podcast, but <laughs> one of the things that I think is really good about Cade Povich is that he is around the zone a lot. He's not afraid to pitch to contact. Um, like I, I just don't, you know, I, I, I don't, he has a two double digit strikeout games this year. He has three with nine. He has a whole bunch with six and five and six. I mean, he's, he fills up the zone. I mean, it, it's not someone that I think is just overwhelming people with either raw velocity or just incredible stuff. He just picks his spots pretty well. And you don't get a lot of free pitches against him. Basically. I was really hoping that you were going to predict another immaculate inning. That was incredible. I mean, and uh, the thing about it is that they're very rare, but then on top of it, like the crowd was really loud and into it because it's the first inning of that game. And Nebraska baseball fans seem to really kind of like the Michigan at the end of the, the season series because Nebraska baseball fans by and large tend to be kind of fair weather. Uh, you know, they're showing up at the end when things are good and the weather is better. And so that crowd was loud and they were ready and Povich was pumping gas and Michigan was swinging out of their ass to basically, you know, phrase it for what it was because those swings weren't close. Like you had guys that were swinging at pitches above their eyes and just lunging at it. It's fun. Immaculate. It was immaculate. It really was. All right. Any, uh, any closing thoughts here? That's all I have. For the quick podcast we were going to knock out that's now, what, a 50-minute runtime? Yeah. I'm, I'm heading to the dugout. I've got the, the shiny jacket on. Hitting the showers. Pat the on the back. Jacket. We'll pay on the back. Good, yep. good work there today. The bullpen jacket? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we, we need some Husker 24-7 bullpen jackets. That'd be nice. <laughs> Just rolling out of the press conference wearing one of those, we'd be the envy of the whole media. <laughs> For some reason, your arm is iced. <laughs> I mean, I can think of many reasons why that would be true. All right, we're done. We will catch you next week with more Husker 24-7 content. Be sure to check out the website. Once again, that deal, 60% off an annual $1 for a monthly. Jump on that. This is a huge month of recruiting. We expect commitments. We expect some exciting news. We got two Friday night lights. We have multiple official visit weekends. There'll be plenty of stuff from us locally, plenty of stuff from the national guys. You know the content that we have at Husker 24-7. If you are not a VIP subscriber, do it now. You will love it this month. We promise it. All right, we'll catch you next week.